You've heard the phrase, dead man walking. Today's guest on Cancer and Comedy, episode 12, goes by the moniker, Repeatedly Dead Fred. And he's going to answer your question about what it's like and what are the results of having over 20 near-death experiences. Cancer got you down? Pretty grim, huh? How about a show that turns the grim into a grin? Way to go. You made it here to the Cancer and Comedy Podcast, the show to lift you up with hope and humor that heals. Hello, Lifter Uppers. I'm Deb Creer, the co-host of Cancer and Comedy, where we like to kick cancer in the butt with stories of healing through hope and humor. It is so awesome that you're here. Now, let me introduce you to the host of Cancer and Comedy, Dr. Brad Miller. Hey, hey, hey. Thank you, Deb. Appreciate you. You're awesome as usual. And it's a pleasure to talk to uh our great listeners. Um, my friend, we're so glad that you joined us here on Cancer and Comedy with uh, Deb and I as we look to have this show, the Cancer and Comedy Show, to be a place where we can, we like to call it turning the grim into a, a grin, which is the grim of cancer and other bad diseases and other bad conditions into something uh change it with an attitude shift and we call it to change it to a grin they may have you something to, to smile about and to celebrate life you know don't be dissolved into gloom and doom and death and so on to celebrate uh, life over the grim and deb a part of this cancer journey and dealing with bad health issues is you get knocked down you get a diagnosis and you have treatments and other things happen you get that you get knocked down and knocked down, and you basically have a choice to either you know get knocked down and stay down, or you can get knocked down by the situation you find yourself in and get back up again. And maybe you might have to do that repeatedly. Deb, have you ever had any times in your journey or situations you know about where you've been knocked down and you kind of had to pull yourself back up again? Oh, you know, most definitely, you know, obviously when you're first diagnosed, that's the first time you are knocked down because you're thinking, wait a minute, this is not what I had planned. Um, and then as you know, as, as you and I have, have talked before through, through my journey, if it could go wrong, it did. And, yes. you know, and, and so there are multiple times where I was just like, seriously, something else, <laughs> you know, and, 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 but as you said, you know, the key is that when we get knocked down and we will. You know, and, and I want to emphasize to people, it's not bad when that happens because it is going to happen. But the important thing is, how do you get back up, um, you know, and, and, and just be ready to take on the next challenge? Mm. You know, it's sometimes, it's sometimes it seems darkest before the dawn. What I mean by that is sometimes things can get pretty bad. They can get pretty bad. And yet there still can be hope and things can still come back. I, We had a, kind of a uh, sad and yet a lifting up episode in our family just this past week. We had to say goodbye a few days ago to our longtime pet, 17-year-old dog. Her name was, was Red. And after a long, drawn-out illness, I'm talking about eight, nine months of deteriorating health, we finally had to say goodbye. Uh, say goodbye to her. And that was a very 
tough time. But we were kidding around. Our family was, and my two adult sons, who they, basically this was their, their dog growing up, of course, uh, came and we all said goodbye together. But we talked about her being the zombie dog, and we called her that the last year or so because there was many times, Deb, when we thought she was a goner. We just did. She'd be asleep and sound asleep and shallow breathing, and she wasn't there. And then, and uh, she would just get up and walk, just as I mean, she would get up and be alive. And whenever one time she was, you know, shaken and really heavy breathing. And I literally called the vet and made arrangements for euthanasia, <laughs> literally made the appointment and mm-hmm. I'll be doggone. Literally she, the red about the time after seven or eight hours of being in this one position, got up and was fine. So that's why we started calling her zombie dog. The point is she was down and out and kept coming back. But the, 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 the joyful part is when we finally came to the end and she really couldn't move anymore. We were all, we're a bit of a family, had some family moments. And we, before uh, in our kitchen and with, with uh, red right next to the refrigerator where she could feel the vibration of the refrigerator, give her a little bit of comfort. We uh, just talked some stories about red and about how much fun and joy she gave us and how she would do stupid, silly things that dogs do and would run and jump and play. And, uh, and how the boys had a lot of, we had some laughs and some fun and some good stories before we had to uh, have the sad occasion of, um, of taking her to the vet for the, for the process. My point is that there's bad stuff that happens to us indeed, but there's can be joy around it if we pay attention to that. And uh, my story right now is as read the zombie dog kept coming and coming back. And even at the very end, she brought us uh, some joy. Well, you know, our guest today is definitely the epitome of that. He died, literally died, as in, boop, you know, <laughs> over 20 times. And, you know, every single time he got back up again. And, and his story is just absolutely incredible. He is an amazing guy. We look forward to sharing this interview with you here. His, his name is Fred Rutland, and he likes to go by the moniker Repeatedly Dead Fred. And he wrote a book called The Summer I Died 20 Times Because Lightning Does Strike the Same Spot Twice. And that really is the story of him. He had a a congenital heart uh, condition and here in Cancer and Comedy. We talk about cancer a lot, but we talk a lot of other health issues that are dramatic uh, Mm -hmm. as well. But he literally died over 20 times. And like uh, Deb just said, flatline on a few occasions. And he just kept fooling himself and the doctors and even the, even the machinery that they use, the medical machinery. And he kept coming back from his situation. So a bit of the theme we're talking about here today is this whole theme of finding a, a silver lining in the midst of ridiculously impossible situations. When you get down, you get knocked down, uh, get up again. So that's our story today. Right. You know, and and I had the pleasure of reading his book and was just incredibly amazed by it because, you know, I think if you look in the dictionary next to the word resilience, there's his picture because he (laughs) really did just every time he was knocked down, he got back up. He got back up with a great attitude and just kept going and, and still continues to do so. And there's some fun, funny moments in our conversation and in his book. And uh, what about him struck you a little bit uh, humorous about uh, about repeatedly dead Fred? 
Well, it's it's funny. The the book is actually very funny and sarcastic and, you know, all sorts of things. I, I thoroughly enjoyed reading it. But it's it is about keep, you know, in, in many cases, keeping your sense of humor because he did. Um, you know, anybody else would have thought, I'm no, I'm I'm done. I'm toast. I'm just not doing this. And he just kept getting back up. You know, and, and one of the things that that he talks about is the fact that your attitude is a choice. And I really love that because that is so true. You know, we can either give up and say, nope, I'm not going to do this anymore. Or we can pick ourselves back up and, and keep going. Well, that's going to be our theme here today. Pick yourself back up and keep going. And we look forward to uh, talking to, uh, to Fred Rutland, repeatedly dead Fred here in just a moment. So following the interview, you're going to want to stick around for Dr. Brad's bad joke of the day and, of course, our Faith It or Break It segment and our listener lifter stories. Did you know that you can be a part of an upcoming episode of Cancer and Comedy with your uplifting story of hope and humor in kicking cancer in the butt? Just go to voicemail.cancerandcomedy.com and leave us your story. Well, it's my pleasure at this time to uh, bring to our cancer and comedy uh, friends. His name is Fred Rutman. He's the author of The Summer I Died 20 Times Because Lightning Does Strike the Same Spot Twice as we talk about getting knocked down and getting up again and finding a silver lining in impossible situations. Our guest today is Fred Rutman. He has the book, The Summer I Died 20 Times, subtitled Because Lightning Does Strike the Same Spot Twice. We're going to talk about that. And sometimes he likes to go by the moniker Repeatedly Dead Fred. We're going to talk about that. But Fred Rettman, welcome to our conversation here today. Thank you, Brad. Pleasure to be here. Indeed, a joy to, to have you with me. And based on the title of your book and our what we mentioned here, you, it's uh, good for you to be anywhere, I guess, after having some really serious health issues. And so let's talk about that for a minute. Why do you? Why are you sometimes called repeatedly dead, Fred? And let's go from there. Because that's what I was. I've been clinically dead, which. In, there's a number of definitions for clinically dead. So the one I use is your heart has stopped for 30 seconds. And at the same time, you haven't breathed for breathe, taken a breath for 30 seconds. So that's not a really good combination. <laughs> yeah, that's, and, not, that's uh, not what you want, really. That's not what you want. So Yeah, yeah. just by s- circumstance and some medical oddities. This happened to me over a period of 12 years. And my friend Deanna decided to call me one day and said, hey, repeatedly dead Fred, how's it going? (laughs) That got your attention, didn't it? Yeah, because it was really accurate, wasn't it? Because you, as you said in your book, you died 20 times. So this basically in one form or another happened to you 20 times. That's pretty amazing, Fred. The cure they gave me for what happened to me was a pacemaker. And I was 100% dependent on the pacemaker. And unfortunately, I had a series of defective pacemakers. So in 2013, this all happened to me all over again. Because the pacemaker stopped. So when it stops, I stop. And 
and then it happened again in 2018. So the the majority of the times when I would collapse, which you know you tend to do when your heart's not beating and you're not getting any oxygen, and I would hit my head on whatever was the hardest object in the vicinity. So whether it was a curb, whether it was a cement countertop, whether it was a manhole cover, a lot of concussions, a lot of brain trauma. So you had that just exasperated the the problem, multiplied the, the impact of it, literally the impact you hit your head. And so mm -hmm. you had these heart and uh, pacemaker problems hit your head. And apparently mm -hmm. there was head trauma and things like this. And you were a mess. You were a mess, weren't you, Fred? People have said that about me for a long time. <laughs> so okay. I, th I think I took mess to another level, though, with all this happening to me. Oh, boy. So. so here you are. You're still with us. And you have written a book about it. And you share a little bit of joy in life in the middle of all this problems that you've had. And so why why are you still here, Fred? What do you think is your purpose, your meaningfulness of being here now after being dead for 20 times? I have my suspicions, but, you know, until I don't come back that last time and you meet the creator, I don't think you can know for certain. Sure. So you just have to go with your gut and my gut tells me I'm supposed to try and take this ridiculously awful situation that I was put in and try and put a positive spin on it and help others put positive spins on whatever they're going through. Hmm. And am I going to be successful every time? Definitely not. But am I going to be successful to some degree and help some people? Absolutely. Hmm. So... That's my best guess for now as to why I'm supposed to be here. In Judaism, we're supposed to be a light upon nations. And I think as an individual, I'm supposed to try and be a light upon those who are downtrodden or struggling sure. and uh, need some extra light in their lives. You framed it or you described your situation as ridiculous and you know absurd is another word for it. And yet you want to take that and you want to do something with it. So let's be specific for a moment, Fred. What are some of the things? So what are you doing? What are some of the actions you're taking? What are you doing then to implement what you just said? One of the primary things is guesting on shows like this with amazing people like yourself. Where All right. <laughs> making, it, making their platforms available to people like me who can send their message out over digital airwaves, whatever those are called. <laughs> and, and hear that there is a person here who went through something uh, tremendously against the odds and has come through with it with some creativity and a positive attitude. Am I thrilled about everything how my life turned out? Absolutely not. But I think I've been given many more blessings than curses at this point. And I need to take advantage of them. And one of the ways you do that is by sharing it with other people that could use a boost. If you want to, mm -hmm. you can descend to a dark place, can't you? You can go to some pretty dark places, but you're saying it doesn't have to be that way. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, to a large degree, it's a choice. Your attitude is a choice. A big factor in that is, is the food we eat. We, we have a saying, trust your gut. And we say it very flippantly. But science now shows that your gut is 
where most of the serotonin in your body is produced, and that's your mood elevators. Yes. And if you don't have good food going into your gut, um, you're not going to produce all the serotonin that you need. So it sounds like one of the actions that you have taken in relationship to your health matters has to do with your diet and your physical uh, well-being in that regard. And so you would say that's mm -hmm. one of the important things you've done in the 15, you've been around for 15, 16 years since this first started happening to you. And so you have, you had mm -hmm. change of lifestyle and a change of how you do life. Absolutely. At one point in the early 2000s, I was about 340 pounds. In 2018, I was introduced to intermittent fasting and that has literally changed my life. Um, intermittent fasting is something that a lot of people should look into. We, as we developed into an industrialized society, nobody had regular meals and that's what our body likes to do. So without getting heavy into the science, intermittent fasting literally has saved my life. Because more than likely, all those health problems you had with your heart and so on, if you hadn't changed your practices health-wise, fasting and otherwise, the outcome might not be so good. Is that when you have something dramatic and traumatic happen to you, in your case with your cardiac and issues and your head trauma, in my case with cancer, it does get your attention. And, and sometimes you, at least for myself, need that drama or that extreme episode in order to truly change behavior. There's some things we know intellectually, even emotionally, but sometimes you mm -hmm. need this thing to happen to you. Do you agree with that, that sometimes you just need a literally a knock on the head, so to speak, to get you to change your ways? That's hitting a little too close to home for me. But, uh, <laughs> Sorry about that, Mike. Sorry yeah. about that. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I'm a little foggy on the source, but Somebody once taught me that if you have no barriers in your life, you should start to worry because mm. that's a sign that God has given up on you. Mm. He's not giving you that smack on the back of the head and say, hey, let's do a course alteration here. Or you're going down the wrong path. One pathway is to try to avoid it at all costs. You try to avoid it by ignoring it or being in denial or things like this. And I just uh, understood it to be people try to, to avoid that obstacle and they go this way to avoid it. They go that way to avoid it. But eventually then they're going to hit hard, much harder into whenever a, the physical aspect or the emotional aspect hits you much harder when you run into that wall after you've been mm -hmm. avoiding for so long. And For sure. There's a multiplier effect. If God's tapping you on the shoulder, and you're ignoring that little tap, those taps are going to start getting harder. <laughs> and finally, it's whop. Hey, dummy, like, what do I have to do to get through to you? In my case, it's taken several episodes where I've had to be shown my errors, my ways through some difficult circumstances. And I think that's what you're sharing here about the repeatedly dead Fred here. And so you've learned a lot of lessons and you've shared a lot of your life. And one of the things you touched on here is a little bit about your, about your Judaic faith. And tell me a little bit about the role, if any, that a connection with something higher than yourself or a spiritual life or anything along this line, what role has that played, Fred, in you coming through these episodes and having some healing and wholeness and some new directions? What role has, the, has your faith played? It's played multiple roles. I didn't grow up in a religious family. So I actually, this is weird to say, but I grew up Jewish, but I didn't know a lot about Judaism. Okay. And 
I, I didn't start really delving into my Judaism until I moved to Toronto about 20 years ago because there's a much bigger Jewish community here with more learning resources. Okay. But one of the ways I got through all my trauma is uh, my synagogue communities that I became part of, people who barely knew me just took me into their lives, into their homes, became caregivers for me, supported me. Everything from visiting me in the hospital countless times. I have a couple of buddies who were there like every day, 12 days straight, and they have their own families and their own businesses and sure. stuff. But they're just these people, and I'm sure you've met people like this through your ministering. They're just on another level. Sure. It's like angels feel bad when they meet these people. You know? <laughs> That's also because I was going to say, I like to turn those people angels, and now you're twisting yeah. that around there. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. They've just been amazing to me. And I think I've become a much better person because those people have come into my life. And there's a writer, I think it's Malcolm Gladwell, that says something along the lines of, as you age, you become the composite personality of the five or seven or 10 people you spend the most time with. Mm, okay. Because I've been spending so much time with these angels on steroids, I'm a <laughs> and that's what the world needs. We need a variety of, of better people in all aspects of life. So that's the first thing way I think that that might impacted me. Well, before you go on, let's just, I want to reflect with you just a little bit about that. You're talking about the power of community and the power of congregation, if you will. You talked about your Jewish synagogue, mm -hmm. of the people congregating for the community to be speaking into people's lives. And that's such a powerful thing, Fred, about the emotional relationship, which brings with you the spiritual elements. And that's, I just want to say, yay God for your synagogue. It came through, and uh, that's a great thing. And for those, that, I love your phrase there, angels on steroids. I love that because that's the people who step forward and go on. But you got another point you wanted to make around this. Please do. Is daily prayer. One of the things we're supposed to do is pray in a minion. And a minion means a collection of 10 men or more. And it, everything is very community-based. So we don't want you sitting alone in a closet talking to God. We want you to know that there are people out there. We're all in different boats. We're all in different situations. We're all saying the same prayers at the same time, but yet we're all asking for different things that can all be answered by God or not, depending on his mood. Sure. But again, the prayer is a form of meditation, which is also very helpful and healthy for people. And it gives you an extra set of purpose. I find it's often easier to feel an obligation to others more than it is to feel an obligation to myself. Hmm. So it gives you that external motivation to do things you might not normally do. This episode of the Cancer and Comedy Podcast was brought to you by the grand opening of the Cancer and Comedy Podcast, which is the Clean Comedy Cancer benefit live stream it's happening saturday november 4th seven o'clock 
p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're in the Indianapolis, Indiana area, you could be at the live show, which features Rick Roberts, a nationally known comedian, part of the movie called Mayberry Man, fantastic comedian and a cancer survivor. But for you, our listening audience, you can check it out on a live stream. That's right. We're live streaming this live comedy show with Rick Roberts. You can get it on YouTube and on Facebook. All you do is to connect up there is go to cancerandcomedy.com slash live. And that's how you can be connected to all our live streams and our live stream grand opening of the Cancer and Comedy podcast coming to you on Saturday, November 4th, 2023 from Indianapolis, Indiana. That's Eastern Standard Time. If you're in the area, check us out. Come to the event at cancerandcomedy.com slash events. And if you want to be on the live stream, it's cancerandcomedy.com slash live. We see you there at the grand opening of the Cancer and Comedy podcast. Love that. You talk about community, you talk about prayer. And I think I've also heard you say a bit about service, how this has been involved where you get a spiritual connection by serving others as well. And what are some of the ways you've ended up doing that yourself? How are you serving others within the congregation or the synagogue or otherwise? How are you serving others? There's a lot of ways. You can do all sorts of volunteer work, either in your place of worship or in outside service agencies like United Way or whatever. You can raise money. But one of the things I found the most powerful is just saying something positive to somebody. Mm. You know, we don't hear a lot of positive things. And you can really change somebody's day by, or their week or their month, by just acknowledging that they're doing something different that you appreciate. Wow. That's powerful because there's so much negativity in the world and the negative vibes are out there. And if you just change the narrative... How cool is that? Give me an example of yeah. something of you. Have you seen a change in a person where either you said something or something happened where like maybe there was a negative vibe and something you said or did lit them up? I have a friend who is possibly the hardest working person <clears throat> I've ever met, partly because of the circumstance she's been put into. And she's got great messages. She's very religious. She's got incredible levels of faith but there was something about the way she spoke she would outspeak her breath if that makes any sense to you um, she okay. would start speaking and then she would forget to breathe and then she would be talking <laughs> <laughs> okay all right but i knew she could be so much more effective if um she could learn to speak a little better and I coaxed her to enroll in Toastmasters. Okay. And for people who don't know Toastmasters, it's a not-for-profit speaking group all over the world. And they hate pe they teach people to be better communicators and how to give speeches and impromptu speeches. And wouldn't you know, within three months, she was winning speaking contests. <laughs> wow. And it dramatically changed her life. It made her a more effective communicator. It, she got to deliver her great messages. And it gave her so much confidence that she could do other things. 
Fred, let's talk. Let's talk for a minute about the um, kind of I'll just call it the cognitive or the processes here, or the disciplines that you have or that people need to have in order to have f- fulfillment in life, which you obviously have now. And after going through some tough times, what I'm talking about now is some of the habits or the practices or the routines, even that you either do now or advocate now that. Uh, are part of your life that help you to navigate each day. You know, when you have a major trauma like you've had, it changes everything and you have to learn how to live again in a new way. What are some of the things you're doing in your life to, that help you to navigate life that might be lessons learned for other folks? I've definitely gotten more serious about exercise. And because I still have some balance issues and stuff from all the head trauma, I ride my bike a lot. And uh, I walk a lot. That's I'm a little nervous about doing anything like going back to playing hockey because I don't want to do something <laughs> where I'm going to get bonked in the head again. I definitely eat better. It would be hypocritical of me not to actually do what I'm promoting other people to do. And part of that is intermittent fasting changes your taste buds, believe it or not. And it, it makes you crave more quality whole foods and tries to get you off the ultra processed food. And that's Mm -hmm. been huge. It relieves brain fog and helps you clear up your general thinking. I've also started learning with a group of guys on a regular basis, four or five, six times a week. And so we're studying the Talmud, which is very high end, the Jewish law books. Yes. And it's uh, very difficult to follow, especially if you didn't grow up speaking Aramaic and Hebrew, uh, which I think most people haven't. So um, the guys I've been learning with have been doing this for 40, 50 years. And it's very generous of them to let me come in and be more of the comic relief trying to hang out with the big boys. Wow. Because <laughs> um, when you talk about uh, scholars in the Talmud, which mm-hmm. for our listeners may is basically t- the first five books of the Old Testament for those people from a Judeo-Christian perspective is essentially what we're talking about, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. But it's deep academic, isn't it? My goodness. <laughs> so. Yeah. And it seems so easy to the guys I'm learning with, but then you have to remember, they've been learning it for 50 years. Sure. And sure. I've been learning it for six Here's a couple of things I'm hearing you say here, which are so important for people who want to get, who want to deal with their trauma, their drama, whether it's cancer or cardiac, cardiac issues or head trauma, whatever it is. You've had a change in your exercise habits that you mentioned you were at one time were mm-hmm. 340 pounds or something like that. So you've lost weight. I can tell by looking at you in our mm-hmm. video here. You yeah. had that going on with your exercise, your diet has changed dramatically. You've mentioned intermittent fasting and it changes the nature of your food cravings and so on. You mentioned how mm-hmm. that changed your brain chemistry. And I'm familiar with all this kind of works. So it makes you clearer. It makes you more cognizant you're doing and probably gives you a little more energy to get more done and that type of thing. And then I also heard you say you are very intentional about exercising the mind, even if it goes to a place that's a little stretching you out a little uncomfortable. You're dealing with these big time Hebraic scholars here and you're in Mm -hmm. there and you're participating 
and they haven't rejected you either. They're not. They're not coming at you like, uh, okay, you're just the you're just the junior junior person here. They seem like they've yeah. accepted you, and so you're learning. You're exercising your brain as well, and uh, I'm continually blown away by the wisdom of these people from two, three thousand years ago, and the things that they could figure out without our modern conveniences. Sure, but I think you can do anything that will exercise your brain in a way that it hasn't been exercised before. Yeah. Even if you decide to try and take up a musical instrument or you decide to start drawing and you go on YouTube and you look, how do I draw drawing exercises for a six-year-old, which is yeah. when I started drawing, that's what I looked for. Sure. And it was embarrassing that the six-year-olds were drawing better than I was. <laughs> but you were doing um, it, right? Something you may not have done yeah. before. You were doing it. You're, exercising your brain and also you're getting into the creative part of things and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You mentioned music and art and so on. And so it's an intellectual endeavor. It's a creative endeavor. And therefore, when you start to connect those parts of your brain, it becomes a, you start to connect the the cognitive with the emotional and to mm-hmm. the, and what comes along with all that kind of stuff, Fred comes joy, I believe. And what's it all about? Yeah. But joy, you know, about having fulfillment in life if you're going to live, let's let's enjoy it. What brings you joy, man? What puts a smile on your face? What turns your grim into grin is one of the things I like to say. Seeing other people thrive. It's a very external thing. Seeing a couple get engaged, see somebody achieve a goal that they've been really striving for. I, I love those things, uh, especially if I've been a part of it. I think I've set up Eight or nine couples that have gotten married. Oh my goodness! So you that's, make, that's pretty epic. You've been part of a I forgot what it's uh, matchmakers with the word I'm looking for. You've yeah. had that kind of role in some people's lives, haven't you? Yeah, but I've always been a networker. I've always liked connecting people. I've always liked connecting with people. I guess it's part of my. I have a natural curiosity about life. And I always thought I should have been a talk show host. Let's play with that for a second. Let's just say you were a Johnny Carson style talk show host. Who would be either alive or dead or fictional or whatever? Who would be an ideal guest for you to engage in a conversation with? You know, the easy answer would be, you know, some of the Talmudic rabbis because they're just so smart. But I don't really think I would understand a word they were saying. (laughs) (laughs) They're just at a different level. They operate at a different level than the rest of us humans. But I would like to talk to some creative geniuses like Da Vinci or Paul McCartney or Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin, who just took standard music. And and I think Jimmy Page was actually self-taught for the most part and created some of the greatest music ever produced how do they go through that process and can i have a little of it <laughs> uh, you're speaking of it you're speaking of my heart man because I'm, I'm an old rock and roll disc jockey and a big fan of classic rock deep intellectual thought as well and so i love where you're going with this so it's not just uh, mm-hmm. online influencer is that kind of thing you want to have little deeper kind of a thing because you are a learner aren't you you really like to learn i can tell by spending Mm -hmm. some time with you you like to get those synapses firing off and yeah fun fun is a word we didn't use you used the word joy before yeah so i know in the old testament the word fun is never used Mm. there's never a commandment to go have fun there is commandments to be with simcha which translates to joy 
And I believe in that, and I think you do too, but let's just talk about that for a second. What are We've been talking about some pretty serious stuff here. We've been having some good fun with it about head trauma and cardiac and cancer and so on. And the name of my show here is, is Cancer and Comedy. I like to play in this area of how we can see hope and healing through humor and things like that. What were some episodes here in your whole process, everything that you're about, that just made you, you had just think, okay, this is just flat out funny, or this is humorous, or ironic, or sarcastic, or whatever? It's funny in a not funny way, but how I continuously came up against people with cognitive bias that just couldn't move off their place to say, okay, what we're doing here is obviously not correct. We're not getting a positive diagnosis. We've got all this training. Maybe we should be looking at something else. Okay. And I don't say this to disparage the medical community because the medical system is a medical system and every system has its good parts and its bad parts, but that's just what happened to me. It was astonishing how time after time I just met these people who just wouldn't listen to what the patients were saying. <laughs> the co- what'd you say? Cognitive disconnect? Is that what you said? Cognitive bias, cognitive, cognitive dissonance. Cognitive bias. A very yeah. interesting way of seeing that. And how it's it's one of those phrases that I certainly relate to. The humor in it is that okay, you just don't get it and that, that there's more going on here that is not that you've cho- you're choosing not to understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I remember a couple of times when I was in ambulances and we had the cardiac strips. They put you on the monitors, mm-hmm. and you go into emergency with forty feet of tape or strips, and it's clearly showing. Yeah, and the doctors would say. Oh, that can't possibly be true. The The monitor must have been malfunctioning. Okay. And the ambulance drivers and I are just looking at each other like, no, process, doc. Like, yeah. this is accurate. It is so it you is need to, to move off your spot here. Fred, what you're all also all about is serving others. And you obviously are doing it with some joy and love. And one of the ways you've done that is through your book, the summer I died 20 times because lightning does strike the same spot twice. Who's this book for? What are you offering here in this book to people who may need it? What's Sure. A lot of it is the inside story of what happened to me and how ridiculous this was. I was on a podcast last year with a former ER doctor in Australia, Dr. Stephen Neff. And what's his podcast name? Steps to Sobriety. And he told me what happened to me was a one in a hundred event of survival, odds of survival, if it happened to me once. And each time it happened to me, the odds got worse. So if you want to read a story with such improbable odds that it would be the equivalent of winning a lottery every week for five years straight, (laughs) this is the book for you. So just by taking the odds that you said there, you almost literally, Fred, are a one in a million guy, aren't you? In your own way, right? Yeah, billions. I'm one in a billion. Because we're an aging society and there's so many people in and out of the medical system right now. People can get a pretty eye-opening insight into what they may have to deal with. And you probably have to deal with this 
to a degree yourself. And it's about maintaining a positive attitude. It's about learning to advocate for yourself, which when you're in distress is not exactly the easiest thing to do. It's about learning how to ask for help. It's about coming to grips that people want to help you. There are so many people out there that are looking for opportunities to help others, to serve others, and people just either won't ask or won't let them because they think, if I let this person help me, I'll be indebted to them. Not about the service, just for the sake of service. It's about what's in it for me. Yeah, okay. let people help you. Yeah. I had, after one of my surgeries, people were very generous in offering me lifts home after services. And when I was feeling better, I, I said, I'm feeling better. I'd like to walk while I can. <coughs> Excuse me. I uh, appreciate the offer. And then one of the day, one of the rabbis took me aside and he says, if you keep saying no to people, are going to stop asking. Even though you want to walk and what's better for you, you have to find a way to say yes. And I thought that was really insightful. Wow. And then I just started having to make compromises like, I'd like to walk. Could you maybe give me a lift halfway? Mm, okay. so we could have a little time to chat and stuff like that. But I can also get some exercise in. Get your steps in. I love that phrase yeah. that your rabbi used, find a way to say yes, because it's about the relationships, isn't it? And that's that's awesome because that's part mm -hmm. of the that's part of healing and that's part of the wholeness. And part of the joy, part of the healing has to do with this relationship. And the humor part comes into play when we have this relationship that can be bring a smile to your face and it sounds like these folks brought a smile mm -hmm. to your face and you bring a smile to the face to others so fred Redman, how can people you bring a smile to our to my face here today and to our listeners here on cancer and comedy how can finding people more about you get your book or get connected to your podcast or anything else that you're about how can people find out more about you they can find me on Amazon. They can find the book on Amazon. It's available both in uh, Kindle and paperback. And we're working on getting an audio version for people who prefer that. I have an Instagram account under Repeatedly Dead Fred. You can find a lot of the podcasts that I've done. And I've started my own podcast, The Dead Man Walking Podcast. You can see there's a dead theme running through all this. <laughs> and, uh, awesome. So the podcast is on YouTube and Spotify and Apple and sure. probably a whole bunch of other platforms. Okay. It's a fascinating conversation we've had here today, Fred. And you got some great things to offer, man. And I'm just a believer that God's using you for some great purposes. And it includes your mm -hmm. inspirational story in your book and otherwise. And I certainly commit it to people. The name of the book is The Summer I Died 20 Times, subtitled because lightning does strike the same spot twice. He is Fred Rutman, or Repeatedly Dead Fred. He's been our guest today on Cancer and Company. Thank you for being our guest today, Fred Rutman. Hey, I just want to thank Fred Rutman for being our guest here today on the Cancer and Comedy with myself, Dr. Brad Meller, and Deb Creer. Deb, give me your reaction. What's your vibe? What's your feeling about the uh, listening to Fred and also you know, read his book as well. Right. You know, and, and again, just absolutely incredible story. And it's funny, we were talking about the fact that, you know, we're, we have to, we get knocked down and we get back up. Well, he got knocked down a lot. Um, <laughs> and he talks about that both in his interview and, and in the story in, in his book, 
because he literally would fall down, right? You know, and, and thunk yes. there would go his head. I don't, you know, I think he's lost track of how many concussions he has had. But, you know, his yes. story was about faith. It, what I really liked about it was that he advocated for himself. And, and you know, some of this, like I said, is in his book. And so, you know, we want to encourage everybody to read it. But, you know, it, and, it, and it was about asking for help, whether he was asking his friends, asking his doctors, asking his God, you know, he was mm-hmm. asking for help. Yes. And he had this incredible community of support. You know, that I think was one of the things that really struck me was that he did have this huge group of of people who supported him and and I just love that. Mm. You know what I I loved also about our conversation with uh with Fred was how he uh was able to take a really bad situation and find a silver lining in it and to find some purpose out of this adversity that he found himself in. Uh I and it kind of was a gut level thing. One of the things that he said, I, I wrote it down, is that you just have to go with your gut. And my gut tells me I'm supposed to try and take this ridiculously awful situation that I was put in and try to put a positive spin on it and help others put positive spins on whatever they're going through. And, you know, am I going to be successful every time? Definitely not. But am I going to be successful to some degree and help some people? Absolutely. So that's the best guess for now as to why I'm supposed to be here. In Judaism, you know, we're supposed to be a light on nations. And I think as an individual, I'm supposed to try and be a light upon those who are, I guess, downtrodden or struggling and need some extra light in their lives. I wrote that out. That really struck me how he's found new purpose and new meaning about being a, Mm -hmm. he uses the metaphor of light. He talks about the downtrodden. Mm -hmm. He talks about a call. You know, he talks about uh, uh, gut feeling. So what, I don't. I just uh, love that uh, about uh, Fred. And then uh, in talking to him, he just has this overall theme of, I'm just going to keep doing this. So I can't do it uh, no more. So what do you think are some of the lessons that our uh, our friends uh, and our listening audience can kind of take with them? What are some takeaways that they, they can take with them out of our conversation here today? You know, definitely when you fall down, get back up. Now you might need to lay there for a little bit, but you know, just get back up and you might get up a little bruised, a little beleaguered, bleeding, um, but get back up, uh, you know, and, and I think that is just so important. It also, you know, one of the things, and, and I, I said this when we were speaking earlier, was that attitude is a choice. You know, he decided he was not going to let his heart condition and all of the the things that came along with it, because let's be honest, he was kind of like me. If it could go wrong, it did. His was much more extreme. Um, And uh, and he just chose to keep going. But he was always an advocate for himself. And I love that because I think that's one of the things that, that we have to do is you know if it's not going the way we want it to then we have to say to our medical people to our community to whoever hey this is what i need or this is what's happening um you know and he talked about cognitive bias and the fact that yes. especially his medical people had made up their minds about what was going on and he really emphasized it in the book he said sometimes they wouldn't even read his chart and mm, you know yes. and and they just know it is. And he had to learn to say, wait a minute, stop. 
you know, we're going to, we're going to do this different. And I think that is so important for anyone who is on any type of, of medical journey. You're the one in charge, not the medical doctors, not your family, not your friends. You know, you are the one who has to be in charge. Yeah. And he, uh, he mentioned that and taught about being an advocate and he had to do a little bit of sarcasm with all that kind of stuff, a little bit of fun. Uh, as a well, lot of it. And, a lot of, and, bit of sarcasm. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, big tongue-in-cheek type of guy. So, when I think uh, you know, we both uh, Dev and I were impressed with uh, with Fred, with Fred Rut- Rutman. His book, and we commend it to you, is "The Summer I Died Twenty Times." That kind of says it all, right there, doesn't it? Uh, in his book, the title of his book, and the subtitle is "Because Lightning." does strike the strike the same spot twice he also has a podcast called the dead man walking mm-hmm. podcast we'll put links to all of that in our in our episode in our show notes episode notes at the cancer Well, Lifter Uppers, it is that time that we know you have been waiting for. It's time for our Cancer and Comedy segment, Dr. Brad's Bad Joke of the Day. If you were ever in college, maybe you live near a college campus, you know there is a thing that happens. It's called fraternity parties. And a fraternity party, especially in the fall, they are often people who get drunk, crazy, blackout, drunk. College boys do that, believe it or not. College girls too do as well sometimes. But in this story, there was in late October, this particular fraternity was on a college campus. And the between the do- the fraternity houses and the dorms where some of the students lived, some of the guys lived, there was a shortcut that went through a rather large cemetery. And in this particular frat party night, it was incredibly dark. No moon, nothing out. It was dark as could be. And the party started to wind down, and some of the guys were starting to wind out, and they tried to get to their dorm rooms and things like that. This one guy named Mike, he decided to go home, take the shortcut through the cemetery. And wouldn't you know it, right in the middle of the cemetery, where it was dark and there was trees and everything, suddenly he discovered that there was an open grave that had been opened up for a burial the next day. And... Wow, he plops down in the grave. He falls flat on his face in the six foot deep hole. He's flat out drunk. He cannot see straight and he he's, you know, can't function right. He's crawling, he's clawing and scratching. He can't see a thing. It's totally dark. He can't do anything. He finally he's exhausted and he kind of just crumples into a, a ball in the one corner of this grave and Says, I'll just sleep it off until the morning. Somebody will help me. Just a few minutes later, this guy named Jerry, he's drunk too. He's taking the same shortcut through the cemetery and he finds the same grave. Boom, he falls down into the grave, but he falls into the other side of this open grave on the other side of where Mike was at, on the other end. He didn't see Mike at all. And Mike's just watching it. He's drunk. He didn't know what's going on. Jerry's drunk too. And he's clawing and he's scratching. He's trying to get out of the grave and he's getting exhausted. And finally, Jerry, completely exhausted and completely unaware about Mike being on the other side of the grave, just cripples down in the opposite corner from where Mike is at. And he's just going to settle down and try to ride it out to the morning too. 
Then out of the darkness comes the voice of Mike. You'll never get out of here. But he did. Well, now it's time to shift gears a bit for Dr. Brad's Faith It or Break It segment. On today's Faith It or Break It segment, I want to talk to you just for a minute about the 5D process of gaining hope in your life. The first D happens when we first hear that something terrible has happened. In my case, it was getting diagnosed with cancer. For other people, it could be getting news about a divorce or a death in the family or maybe losing a job. The first D is denial. In my case, I just kind of <laughs> said, this isn't happening. I don't have cancer. It was denial. I kind of had to laugh to keep from crying because I didn't want to have any acceptance that this was a real deal. So the first D is denial. The second D is devastation. Devastation. In my case, I was had a crushed spirit. I just felt like my whole world was deflated. I guess it could be another D. But I was just devastated and didn't know what to do. I basically crumbled on the spot. I know other people have had that experience. I've literally seen people faint when uh, they got the news about a loved one dying, for instance, or some other things. When was a time in your life when you felt just devastated, crushed spirit? I think you have to go through that. The third D is not so good either because after your spirit's been crushed, sometimes we stay stuck there. I call it that, that the depression stage. That's when you do the poor me kind of thing. I know I did that in my, with my cancer. I said, you know, kind of why is this happening to me? Why me? You know, what is going on here? And what is this all about? You know, you kind of play, you know, the why and what and what did I do wrong? This thing's this type of thing. That's kind of the bargaining stage as well. Whatever's going on in your life, I bet you've done some of that. You've had a depression stage. So we got to go through those stages before we can start to turn things around. Because the, th the, uh, the fourth D is what I call the deal with it stage. This is where you have to face your reality and still move forward with some faith. In my case, uh, my deal with it moment was when I had at Christmas time, had a you know, time with my two granddaughters, ages five and two, at a McDonald's. And they were eating their happy meals and giggling and having fun. And my prognosis of my cancer was not that good, two or three years to live. And I just said, you know, I want to do whatever it takes. I have to deal with this situation medically and otherwise so I can see these two little girls grow up to be young women. That's the deal with it stage. It's doing what you got to do medically personally, emotionally, physically, health-wise, that's doing what you got to do. That's the deal with it stage. And the fifth D here that I want to talk to you about is the do something about it stage. That is, what are you going to do for others? What are you going to do to make something out of this, this situation that you find yourself in? The, you, can't, you don't want to stay stuck in denial or devastation or depression. And the deal with the stage is what are you going to do, take action right now to kind of alleviate the situation. But what's the long-term thing that you can do with this? Do something about it. 
For some people, you know, they turn their life around physical health-wise. For other folks, they, they, they make amends in relationships. I've got some great stories about that type of thing. In my case, I decided to start this podcast, the Cancer Comedy Podcast, and uh, the benefit uh, comedy shows, the other things that we are doing to be helpful, coaching and leadership as well. That's the kind of thing that gives me hope. It gives me an anchor, something solid to hang on to. Hebrews 6.19 says, There is hope and a safe anchor for our souls. And that's what I encourage you to do. Have something tangible and solid that you can do, particularly for someone else. And the scripture goes on to say, This hope goes to the holiest place of all behind the curtain of heaven. That goes to the depths of your soul. You want to change your life around? Want to make something of your life? Even after the devastation of cancer or some other bad thing in your life, have hope and do something about it in your life. That's faith it or break it. It's now time for our listener lifter upper segment. I love hearing the stories from those of you who are listening to our program and sharing with us. And I can't wait to hear today's. Today's Lifter Upper is Ray Edwards, the author of the book, Read This or Die. He was our guest on episode number 10 of Cancer and Comedy. Let's hear what Ray has to say. And so the story of your life is not your life. It's just a story. Now, I don't mean to downplay any painful thing you've been through, but I am asking you to consider do you want to continue replaying that over and over in your head? Is that helping you? I think the answer is no. And I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not a um, positive thinking guy. Okay. What I, what I would say, I, how I would classify myself is I'm a pragmatic optimist. That means I do not believe the best thing will always happen. But I believe we can always choose to make the best of what does happen. Well, Lifter Uppers, this brings us to the conclusion of this episode of Cancer and Comedy with Dr. Brad Miller. We like to call folks like you who follow Cancer and Comedy Lifter Uppers, or Lifters for short, because Cancer and Comedy is all about telling uplifting stories of people like you who are kicking cancer's butt with healing through hope and humor. You can join those of us who are turning the grim into grins by telling us your uplifting story at voicemail.cancerandcomedy.com. You can also keep up with everything cancer and comedy through our Cancer and Comedy Chronicles newsletter at newsletter.cancerandcomedy.com. Well, that's it for now. If you like what you heard, please follow us at cancerandcomedy.com slash follow. Also, Please pass the podcast on to someone in your life who needs to turn their grim into a grin. For Dr. Brad Miller, I'm Deb Creer, reminding you that a cheerful heart is good medicine. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Cancer and Comedy Podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. Make sure you visit our website, cancerandcomedy.com where you can follow the show and get our newsletter. Like what you hear? Then tell a friend about Cancer and Comedy, the show that lifts your spirits with hope and humor that heals. Until next time, 
Keep turning the grim into a grin. <laughs>